Welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. This is a podcast about the church and for the church. And we are really excited to be with you today. I'm Connor. I'm here with Mike Shera. Morning, Mike. Morning, Connor. And today we're diving into what I think is going to be really helpful and um, just exciting discussion. How do we love the world? How do we love the world? And Mike and I were just talking about First uh, John 2.15, do not love the world or anything in the world. So the question today before us is with, with that verse in mind, you know, there's this aspect of in which we're supposed to not love the world. How, how are we supposed to love the world? So Mike, let me pass it to you and I'll let you lead into a discussion for us and then we'll just kind of kick this one around today. That sounds wonderful. So, you know, how the church loves the world. And I think sometimes we get a little caught up on our terminologies and it's like, wait, the Bible says don't love the world. So how do we love the world? Like, because we're to love people, we're, we're told to uh, care about people and things like that, and we care about their eternal destiny. And so, you know, this first is based upon the church loving Christ, that we love Christ first and foremost because he first loved us, as First John says that. We love him because he first loved us. But then we're called to love one another, right? Now, that's an easy one. We're to love the church. Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment. I give to you that you love one another and uh, not as you know he even has said not not as the world gives do I give to you I give you peace I give you love he, not with like a strings attached but God is is uh, sovereignly loving us and we are to love one another and it's about agape love that we're called uh, to love one another with and it's interesting that we are also not to love the world in an agape sense okay so if you look at first John 2.15, it says this, do not love the world. So do not agapao, do not love the world in that agape love sense, or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride in possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And so the idea of how are we then to love, really love people, right. it's not like you love the entity of the world. In fact, it's very clear that you are not to love this world system. Mm-hmm. You are not to love uh, all of these sinful things about the world. This is really about loving people. And I would just say first, it's, it's really baseline love and care for image bearers. Hmm. Like you're actually going to love people because they're made in the image of God. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a really helpful distinction what you're saying. And if you actually look lo- wider at all of John's uses of that word world, you'd realize that he throws it around in a lot of different ways, right? Sometimes he's talking about kind of the universe, the mm-hmm. cosmos. Sometimes it's the physical world. Sometimes it's uh, a big group of people, all the unbelievers. Sometimes it's just a big group of people in general. Sometimes it's the world system. So mm-hmm. it's helpful to just identify in, in this particular place in First John 2 really seems like he's talking about the world system, right? Because right. he goes on to say, if you love the world, uh, a.k.a., you know, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, so all of these things that would trap you and pull you down and ensnare you, if you're that kind of a person, then the love of the Father is not in you. But mm-hmm. that's totally distinct from me saying, as a believer, I want to pour out a selfless love towards believers, certainly, but then even unbelievers around me. And I want to think creatively and strategically about the ways that I could 
show Christ-like love to people who don't know the Lord and desperately need the gospel. So mm-hmm. I, we want to talk today about evangelism and how we how we prioritize evangelism and our love for the world. And um, Mike, I don't know, do you want to just maybe, maybe uh, roll with that for a little bit? Talk about how the love that we have for unbelievers specifically manifests itself as evangelistic effort to bring them the gospel? Yes. And, and again, let's, and let's be really clear, as you mentioned so well, that we're called very clearly to love Christ because he first loved us. In fact, we love him because he first loved us. And we're called very clearly over and over and over again to love the brethren, right? To love our brothers and sisters in Christ, to love the church. And Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples. If you have love one for another, that's going back to John 13. And so a new commandment I gave you, love one another. Right? And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. But it's interesting that there's not tons of places in the Bible where you hear just love you know, everyone in the world. But we are told to love our neighbor. We are told to have our speech seasoned with, with grace even uh, so that we will be able to know how to answer each person. So I think, and I think we'll, we'll kind of harp on that one for a moment, okay? Just the idea of, our, of the words we use being gracious and that we season our words with grace and what does that mean because i think it the idea of you're caring for people you care about them how do you how do you season your words with grace right mm-hmm. what, what does that even mean and i think that means that you're you're going to seek to be gracious and fair that you will stand for truth but you will be not harsh about it but kind and loving and merciful and that you will be loving and firm Mm -hmm. so that you will be loving to people, but you will not be caving in and saying, well, everything that you say or that you stand for is okay. Right. Because I think right now where we live, the, the climate is such that it's like, you need to condone me, congratulate me, celebrate me. And if you disagree with me, you must be hating Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, well, actually, I can, I can love you, I can care for you, I can, I can like you as a friend who's not a believer, even if you stand diametrically opposed to everything that I stand for, because you are made in the image of God, even though you're not recognizing that or, or acknowledging that, and I care about your eternal soul, right. I care about your, right. where you're going to be, and we don't know if this person will believe or not. Right. Yeah. At, at the same time, I. I um I do feel like in the media today, I mean, well, I don't feel like I know Christianity is just getting dragged through the streets, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And whatever the era was when it was, you know, a cool or beneficial thing in the world's eyes to be a Christian, that's a long gone time now. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times, I think in an unbeliever's mind, the character, the caricature of a Christian is super bigoted and and even hateful and just judgmental, quick to tout our own righteousness and condemn others. Mm-hmm. Um, how do, how do believers actively try to, sh- how try to um, refute that stereotype mm-hmm. by the way we love the world? Does that question make sense? Absolutely. It makes sense. I've said this before. You probably heard me say this, that the way that you show up a crooked, crooked stick is to put a straight one next to it. Right. So you live your life and people have eyes and ears and uh, they see, they know what a counterfeit looks like and what a real person looks like or what a real Christian looks like. A lot of people have, have a caricature of Christians and it's very interesting. We have we have we can go one of two ways with this. And I think there's the way that I wouldn't want to go and there's the way that I would, you know, advise you to go. 
One way that Christians have, have, have uh, tried to respond to this over the years, and people still do it, is they say, okay, Christians are getting a bad rap because Christians have always gotten a bad rap through history and it, right. it's ramping up. Right. Um, and the idea that people will say, I want people to see that Christians can have fun. <laughs> or I want people to see that Christians are cool. Or I want people to see that Christians aren't fuddy-duddies or they're not this or they're not that. And what they'll do then, it's the straw man argument kind of gone bad on you. You take the weakest point and you you try to you know fix that. Well, just because we think that people are you know that people are saying certain things, right? Uh, Jesus said, "If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you." And so Christians are going to get heat. Now, what Peter said is, "Don't suffer as an evildoer. Like, don't be a jerk." Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But here's the thing: we're not called to show the world that we're just like the world. See, what what happens is Christians will be like, "Okay, I don't want to be like that." or what, like they say I am, or like they say we are. So I will show them what I think they want to see, which would be fun-loving, um, almost licentious, like I can do almost anything. See, become a Christian and you can be just like me. And they're like, but you're just like me. You look just like yeah, me now. Why yeah. would I want to become like you? You just became like me. Yeah. So here's what I think I would rather pivot and say this. We don't want to help people see Christians are fun and cool, etc. We want them to see that Christians are are real followers of Christ who love Christ and therefore are caring and kind Mm -hmm. and compassionate and merciful and all the things that we're called to be and do. And how will they primarily see that? The way we treat other believers and the way that we treat neighbors and friends, you know, the whole Good Samaritan idea that you would actually be willing to spend your time and effort and resources to do something for someone with no strings attached. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. What um, what would you say to somebody who lives in a neighborhood or an apartment complex and they they feel like they've just they've hit some barriers in their attempts to love and and even evangelize uh, the people around them? Maybe you know if they're thinking kind of through the categories in their life, they have maybe unbelieving family, mm-hmm. unbelieving neighbors, unbelieving coworkers. And then just the other kind of incidental relate, or maybe, you know, in, in a school setting, unbelieving peers around them. Yes, yes, yes. And then the miscellaneous other, you know, kind of categories that you could fill out. How would you encourage somebody who feels like they they are praying for God uh, to open doors evangelistically for them? They're really trying to, to go out of their way to love people, but it, it just feels like there's not a lot of opportunities in front of them to be mm-hmm. able to, to speak about Christ. How would you encourage that person? Well, first, I, I would encourage you by saying that this is our life, okay? This is how you're going to feel, and you're not always going to feel like, I'm doing the best job as a witness for Christ. But then I would say, take a step back and just think it through a little bit and go, what, do they need to see super Christian? What, <laughs> what, what are we trying to give people? And it's like, just be normal. Be yourself. Love Jesus and, and do whatever seems to be the right thing to do. And let me give you a couple ideas, Okay. So we can talk about taking opportunities to share the gospel. There's an alley-oop for the gospel. There's that. We can talk about creating opportunities for the gospel, which is a whole other thing. But I want to take us back to baseline human kindness because it is human nature to not like your neighbors if they do things or say things that you don't like. Well, you have a hard time reaching people that you don't like. So what I would say first off is I I I would make it my practice, and I do, by the way, to say hello to people cheerfully. Now, I don't always have a good attitude. Sometimes I'll be walking my dog 
and I'll see someone that I just don't want to say hi to them because I don't like the way they look or I just, I'm not in a good mood that moment, whatever. But I find that when I just get outside of myself and I say hi, it's surprising how people are refreshed by that because you can go on and just walk past each other and not say a word. So I think just actually walk across the street and say hello, do something kind. Uh, something happened to me just yesterday. I went to, I stopped into a gas station to uh, to gas up my truck, okay? Fill up my truck. And I'm, I'm sitting there w pumping the gas and a guy who's on the other side of the pump, I couldn't see before, walked past the back of my truck and walked a certain direction. And and I, I looked at him quickly and just sized him up a little bit and went, ooh, doesn't look like the nicest guy around, doesn't look like the, the best citizen in the world, you know? And I even, I remember glancing and looking over to see what kind of car he was driving, just to test it, you know? Yeah. Because you had a gas pump and you kind of wanted to be wary. And at first I thought he could be a guy that you might need to take keep an eye on because he might do something weird, okay? Okay. And I'm sitting there pumping my gas and like about two minutes later, he comes walking, you know, past back to his his uh, his car. And I said, hi. And he went, well, hi, how you doing? And then he kept pumping gas. And that was it. That was all it was, okay? But he was very happy that I said hello. Hmm. Well, here's the interesting thing. I'm about to finish pumping my gas. And he pops back around to the, uh, again, from the side of, of uh, around the pump and says, I hope you have a good day. Hmm. And I said, likewise. And it was a really cool moment because if you saw the two of us walking down the street together, you'd think, did someone just arrest someone? <laughs> or did someone, you know, what's what's up with that? Like, that's an odd couple there. You know, like, why are they walking together? But the interesting thing is, we judge by appearance all the time. Yeah. And he could have judged by appearance with me. And it was like, it was just a moment of human kindness that that warmed my heart. And I and he made a point to, to tell me, have a Step good day. Step back around, right, right. Because I think he was, I think he's used to being cut down in size yeah. because of how he looks. Right. And I think he was like, wow, someone actually said hi to me. Hmm. That's what, that was my premise. Yeah. But I just think basic human kindness. I'm serious. Hmm. Yeah. And then just in that are praying and trusting God. That he's trusting gonna, God. I didn't preach the gospel to him. That right. was all, that was the only thing that was said. Okay. Right. Now that's just basic human kindness. Um, recently, Angela and I were on a trip and we met a couple and we talked to them for probably 45 minutes to an hour and I got a few small gospel things in, but I mainly asked them questions. Hmm. And they were clearly not believers. They were staying at a place that we were staying. And we happened to be kind of in a, a living room area together where they were, you know, having cheese and crackers in the afternoon or whatever. And we just struck up a conversation. They sat down. Hey, can we sit here? And struck up a conversation. They were very, very nice people. They were, uh, they told us all about their lives. We just kept asking them questions. Yeah. And then they finally asked me a couple questions and it was a really cool moment. We saw them later at dinner at the same, we ended up going to the same restaurant. Nice. And so they popped in, hey, you guys. And that was it. That's the last time, I don't know if we've all, we'll ever see them again in our lives. But there was some bit of gospel goodness that got their way. But I would say that was maybe 5% of the of conversation the, of the time. Exchange, yeah. We met another couple at a restaurant. And by the way, don't get the idea that Angela and I are always talking everybody up. I mean, I say <laughs> hi to people, but I'm, it just happened where I asked this couple if they liked what they had ordered and because it looked really good and they were about to leave. Well, they came over to our table and just talked for like 20 minutes Oh wow. to the point where they said, Nick, we live in this town. Next time you're in this town, we're all going to go to dinner together. And they gave Angela, the lady gave <laughs> no Angela way. her card and oh, stuff. Oh, there you go. Okay. And there was absolutely no gospel conversation. It yeah. was literally them telling us all about the town and about some places they like to go. Yeah. And again, I think those kind of things can lead to something. 
I like personally, I like cold turkey evangelism, but I think relational um, connection with your neighbors can open the door for a conversation at right. some point. And, and I've had those happen. And there's a good sense in which we're not we're not mercenaries. We're not trying to be kind just mm-hmm. so that we can you know then <laughs> slip in the gospel as if it's like right. just purely a means to an end. Right. We honor Christ, you know, even just through our general kindness mm-hmm. and showing compassion and care to people. So, yes, yeah. And I think sometimes even with those interactions, I often walk away from those just just praying, Lord, you, you, know, you know, you know, you know what's going to happen with their life. And you even know where they're going to spend an eternity. And that's probably the last time I'm ever going to see them. But um, mm-hmm. Lord, you know, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So on my to do list every day, I've got this uh, these bullets. I say the first thing I want to do is glorify God. Rest in Jesus, deny self, and bless someone. And that's kind of the idea of what you just said, like just blessing them. Like we we actually glorify God and his image in others by blessing people and being a kind person to them. Uh, but that's the first thing on my to-do list every day. And then God's word, prayer, and on and on. But uh, but part of that is just blessing someone. Glorify God and rest in Christ and deny yourself and bless someone. Mm-hmm. And I think it does take denying yourself to actually go out of your way to bless someone in some way. And for some people, it comes very easily. For others, maybe they're, it's a little tougher for them. Yeah. That's a good point, though. Emma and I were just talking about the um, the tendency to just after, whether it's after a long day or something, the easy thing to do is just not want to have that conversation, not say hello, mm-hmm. not show that care, and, you know, just go and retreat to your own, you know, life or whatever. But yeah. But if we can die to self and surrender those selfish desires sometimes God opens up some pretty cool opportunities mm-hmm. yeah well I think we're coming close to the end here Mike is there anything else that you wanted to add before we wrap this up today well I just thought of something that one time I got a couple people together for a gathering I won't be too specific because just in case someone you know recognizes and it's they're not they weren't believers but I got these people together for a gathering and it turns out that they had lived next to each other for like 30 years and hardly ever talked and they didn't like each other. Hmm. And I was kind of the newcomer onto the area, into the area. And I, I, it just struck me. It was, it struck me like, wow, you can live next door. They actually live next door to each other and you can live next door to each other and never talk. Hmm. And we all know that, that that's very possible and it, it could be for any number of reasons. Maybe you're just too busy. Maybe you've never seen them. Maybe you never, your schedules don't you know, align. But I think more often than not, and more often than we would like to admit, sometimes it's because we don't like people. <laughs> and I think it's easy to put on the face and you know, where Ephesians 4, 32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as God in Christ forgave you. And that's speaking to the church, right? That's saying, church, do this for one another. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgive each other as God in Christ forgave you. But I think there's also an element there of just be kind to people in general. And if you do that, I think if we make a pattern of that and we we want to bless people with kind words, again, I, I like how you said it. We're not doing it just to be mercenaries, but we're doing it because they're, they're made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And, and we do want them to know Christ. We do want them to come to know Christ so that they would live forever with him. Right. That we would do anything we could to help them in life. Yeah. Whether that's helping them with their yard or helping them buy some groceries or if they have, or if they have a death in the family, bring them a meal or whatever it is. 
and just kind of live life together. If, if you think of it this way, I've always thought of it this way as a believer, wherever I live, that's my primary area. And I mean, geographically. So the block I live on, the neighborhood I'm in, that's the place that God wants me to bless people the most. Starting my own home and then concentric circles out, out to the church right. And, right. and then to the ends of the earth, you right. know. Um, but, but I don't want to go on a missions trip and just be kind to everyone, but be like really sour on my block. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that just so think, true. think close to home. Think your, your own family today and then think your neighbors and just what you can do to be a blessing. Amen. And I think the opportunities come. Yeah. No, so you good. take them. So good. And just as a parting shot, I always think to myself, or I, I just always think, my heart is so cold, you know, and so prone to being cold. And so even as I'm struggling with these things, I need to be asking God to fill my heart with a supernatural love that only He can give me for these people, you know, yeah. that He would just overwhelm me with that. So yeah. anyways, Mike, thank you so much. Listeners mm-hmm. at home, we love you and we're thankful for you. We pray for you throughout the week. Uh, if you ever have a a question that you'd like to get answered on the podcast. We'd always love to hear from you. You can just email uh, grace at graceorange.org and shoot that question in, and and we could try to address that in one of these episodes. But uh, until next week, uh, we hope that you have a uh, great uh, week of serving the Lord, and we will talk to you next time on the Ordinary Church Podcast. Have a great day, and God bless you.